Hi, Nick Vince here. When George A. Romero passed away in July 2017, he left behind him a legacy which will scare and inspire for generations to come, with titles such as The Dark Half, Monkey Shines, Creepshow, and my personal favourites, The Night of the Living Dead and Martin. Since his passing, his wife, Suzanne Romero, has devoted her time to preserving that legacy with the George A. Romero Foundation, better known as GAF. This week on The Chattering Hour, we dive into the world of George A. Romero with Suzanne Romero. And we're back with our special guest, Suzanne Romero. And I know that for many of us, George's passing left a huge hole in our lives. And his legacy is enormous. I mean, without him, there really would be no walking dead. As I mentioned, Suzanne set up the George A. Romero Foundation to help preserve that legacy, but also to support independent filmmakers inspired by it. Let's get to Suzanne, thank you so much indeed for joining me today. Well, my pleasure, my pleasure. Now, I'd like to obviously go back to uh, George's passing, left a huge hole uh, in the genre for so many of us. But do you think George really understood how much he was loved and admired? Hmm. I think he, I think he, um, I, I think he definitely knew that he was loved, but I also think he didn't think it mattered. Right. Right. So what, let me tell you a story. Uh, you know, when we found out that George was, um, you know, uh, terminal essentially. Yeah. Uh, he, he immediately said to me, I I don't want to talk about business ever. Right. And I thought, oh, okay, so fine. Yeah. And we continued doing what we normally did together, which was play games and, you know, all that stuff. So right. while we were playing Scrabble, <laughs> I asked him, I took a chance and I asked him what I, he thought his legacy would be. Uh, and he, he basically said, nobody cares nobody really cares nobody really cares and i and, and i i was taken aback by it then and and then when he passed uh, a few weeks later the, those words kept coming back to me right right and i thought that can't be true even though i wasn't really uh, i'm not really a fan of the genre i'm not right. really a fan uh i didn't know who he was when i met him so it God. really i i i just even though i'd gone to conventions with him and events and i understood that he was iconic and all that but his attitude was that it really at the end of the day didn't really matter and i thought that's i i i, I couldn't accept it and that's what made me decide to uh, to 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 get this foundation right. off the ground, 
because to me, it meant that we needed to keep his name relevant. We needed to elevate the genre. We needed to elevate him. Uh, we also needed to do good work for young people and all people who love this this genre. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, Nick, I I have to say my learning curve has been woo. <laughs> Because I really did, I knew uh, through osmosis what his work, and of course, I've seen all his films over and over again, but Mm. I didn't know a lot of the details. And uh, so I've I've learned a lot. Right, right, right. And and I'm so proud of what we've done in, in such a very short period of time. Yeah, and I want to talk about a little bit more about um, uh, Garth, G-A-R-F, the George A. Romero Foundation. Um, but before we do that, I'd just like to touch on another another celebration of George's life, which was the um, his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Um, what's your favorite memory of that day, if I may? You know, it was a bit of a fog because I was an emotional uh, mess and I really needed to keep it together. Uh, so a lot of my energy was spent trying to keep it together. Right. <laughs> so for me, it was, you know, about that. Um, uh, you know, I did a little speech and I hardly remember what I said. Um, uh, you know, it was a bit like a wedding day. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, you know, I, I, have, I have memories of it. Uh, but I, I hardly remember it because I was in a in a bad place. Yes, yes, because it was only, I mean, it was in October and George passed yeah. in July of that year. Again, you know, he didn't he didn't really want the star, but he never stopped it. Right. So it it he he didn't. It was part of his his you know his mo not to be you know excited about this. Uh, but so he didn't really uh, support it, but he didn't say to me, Suze, stop it. So we didn't. And Chris, uh, obviously, uh, you know, did everything in his power to make this happen. And, uh, we're, I'm totally grateful to him because, you know, he deserved it. He deserves it. Uh, and, uh, I, I'm just, and he knew, so at least he knew that, um, the acknowledgement, uh, was going to happen, even though it was Hollywood and, you know, he, he was never tight with that community. Um, he struggled with it. Um, uh, you know, he always wanted to be the maverick, the, you know, the independent filmmaker, uh, anti-Hollywood, all of that. But at the end of the day, he was proud of his work, proud of the profession, uh, and and glad that, uh, you know, the suits appreciated him. Right, right, right. Because, I mean, you had some um, great guests there, Malcolm McDowell, Edgar sure. Wright, Greg Nicotero. Right. How did they get involved? 
Well, I think Chris asked them to to right. to come and, uh, and and speak, and of course they didn't hesitate. They said absolutely, and uh, uh, so they all came, and uh, there were uh, a lot of guests, and um, it w- it really went beautifully. So you know, and yeah. I have I don't have a lot of. Um, of stuff uh, on my walls in regards to his work, but I do have the star uh, on my wall. So I'm I'm very proud of it. Right. right. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm I'm so grateful to Chris Rowe who, who, who made it happen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I remember, I remember chatting with Chris and what he was going to go through to actually get it all organized yeah it's a big big chew and he did it and uh you know i'm grateful uh for him for have done having done that yeah 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 and i think one of the the things i loved about the uh ceremony i wasn't able to attend personally but i hear that malcolm mcdowell said that george was one of the last true gentlemen in hollywood I think, and I don't, I'm, this is my impression of George. I met him on a few occasions. He really was a gentle giant. Is that? He was very gentle and a giant. <laughs> so, yes, he was very gentle, uh, very soft spoken. Uh, but uh, don't mistake that for a lack of strength because he had, uh, you know, he was extraordinarily uh, resolute. And, um, you know, he was focused on what he wanted, um, even though he was gentle and his approach was uh, uh, not very aggressive, but, but he got it done. (laughs) Did you ever get involved in the production of any of his films? No, but I, um, you know, I had never even been on a set uh, so my first set was Diary of the Dead, and right. uh, and then I went and did Survival as well. So, um, but I was definitely um, involved in the writing of it, and um, you know, I was often his sounding board, um, and and I think he, he he of course he realized that I was not his demographic. So when I liked it. He's like, okay, good, because you know, and I, I'd also laugh because you know, I'm, um, I read mostly nonfiction, and I, I have a very highbrow uh, literature and all that stuff, and, and I would read his scripts, and I'd say, oh my god, how many f bombs are there in the script? And I, you know, like there would be like eighty of them, and I'd be like, oh my god, um, so. You know, it, I got used to reading, and then I would—I was his reader. Uh, he would say, "You know, could you read these scripts?" And I would, and uh, and he said, "If there was anything that you think I might like, uh, let me know." And and then I one out of maybe fifty, I'd say, "I think this may have some potential," and um, and then I'd hear, "It's garbage." <laughs> Like, okay. So, you know, he, uh, he, he was a prolific writer. Uh, he wrote and wrote and wrote. He loved being in that bubble uh, very much. Um, and um, yeah. Right, 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 right. Because talking about writing, and I know one of the things that he was working on um, before he passed, and that's 
this magnificent. Oh, I, yes. see, I keep on doing this. Now I'm going to have to put this right in front of me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Now you see, I did a lot of the research for him uh, on the, uh, on the uh, 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 aircraft carrier and, and all of that. And, um, and I actually used to call him Luis, uh, the, one of the characters, uh, name uh, the scientist, and um, because he was very grumpy and difficult, and when and when George was grumpy and difficult, I would call him Luis. So, right, right, right. so you know, when I read the book, uh, first of all, again, uh, it's not my kind of uh, reading. Uh, I was nervous about it. I uh, even though I was confident about Dan. Uh, doing the work. I, I was confident. Yeah, this is Daniel Krauss we're talking yes, about. Yes, exactly right. Daniel Krauss. Uh, and he came to the house and, and we chatted and he would call me and he'd say, you know, we, he'd say, I'm, I'm stuck. And so uh, right away, I got the fact that he was in George's head. Uh, so that pleased me. Um, and uh, well, anyway, I read the book. It took me a while to warm up to it, but then I, I definitely warmed up to it. I found it emotional. It was an emotional experience for me. I loved the Daniel's uh, little nest, little legs that he left. Um, yes. I loved it. At the end, I, I closed the book and I said, oh, my God, it's fabulous. And I, you know, uh, Daniel's... Um, writing style is very different from George's. Daniel is very uh, much more flowery, much more, you know, uh, he used words that George would just never use, but uh, he definitely got the sense of George's characters and, and the way they spoke. And uh, he just got the path and, uh, uh, he did. I, I've, I've said to Daniel several times, uh, he could not have done. There was nobody on this planet who could have done a better job. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I've interviewed uh, Daniel about the book um, as well, and and a as people who've watched the show regularly will know, I loved her absolutely, oh, adored good. it, um, and particularly the um, audible version of it okay. as well, um, with Bruce Davison as one of the yes, readers. Yes, and Laurie Cardill, and oh, yeah. Thank you. I yeah. couldn't remember Laurie's name yeah, for the Laurie, moment. Yeah, <laughs> Laurie, yeah, and she, of course, loves George, and they, she did Day of the Dead, uh, which is my favorite of the, you know, the big three. Um and uh, yeah, she did a beautiful job. So you know, they all they both did, and uh, yeah, and 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 I I really care for Daniel Krause. He's a good man, and mm. uh, you know, he he uh, he did a a great job. Yeah, he did. Are there any talks about turning it into a movie? Well, there are talks, but you know, I, 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 that's as far as I can say. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, I've been gagged. <laughs> I've been, I've been. The big uh, I, word, NDA. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I, I'm not yeah. allowed to say, but right. yes, there are some talks, and we're excited about it. Ah, that would be that would be wonderful. Like that. Yeah, because I, it's. I mean, it's a bit. For those of you who haven't, it's a. You can't see, and you're listening on the podcast. It's a big, thick book. Um, it's big. It's a. Yeah. Yeah. It's about, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a tome, um, but it's great. And you know, as you say, you mentioned. I think Daniel uh, 
it's the characters. And I think one of the things I love about George's films is the characters. Um, my favorite of George's films, apart from Night of the Living Dead, is Martin. Right. And I was just thinking about because I was preparing for the interview today, and it's just like, yeah, I just got the word Nosferatu, Nosferatu, just the obsession of the older man, and then Martin, and this wonderful interplay between the two of them as to exactly what exactly is going on here. And yeah, think- you know, uh, Nick, he loved Martin. It was his favorite film. And, and one of the reasons it was his favorite film is frame by frame. He did everything he wanted to do as an artist. He didn't have suits telling him what to do, how to cut it, you know, how to end it. He did that film exactly the way he wanted to do it. And as a director, that just doesn't happen very often. And it was a privilege, and uh, he loved the con- he loved having that opportunity to have made a film with a decent budget, you know, just everything. Uh, mm. It was just perfect for him. He got to do everything he wanted, and like I said, as an artist, uh, director, um, it's a luxury. Um, and of course, the higher the budget, uh, the less sovereignty you have as an artist. Um, So that's why George loved the smaller movie because he he could control it. Not that he was a control freak, but it was his art and he wanted to do it the way he wanted to do it. Right. And so the smaller the budget, uh, he was able to, um, you know, exploit that uh, to his fullest Yes, and I think you you were alluding earlier on to the fact that he wasn't necessarily that fussed by the Hollywood star of fame because he was, to me, the quintessential independent filmmaker. He was, but as as his film has his uh, as his career evolves, he becomes less and less independent, and as soon as he uh, is on. You know, on a union set, he's not allowed to, you know, pick up a camera. He's not right. allowed to, he wasn't even allowed to talk to the zombies, you know, because that would elevate the zombies, uh, you know, to a, to a, a union uh, echelon. So, uh, you know, so he, of course, he edited, he wrote, he directed, and he edited, which are the three main components of you know making a film but you know he you know used to be able to do all of it he did all of it and Ah. i think he liked doing all of it you know lighting it just every the sound he just he loved he loved to do all of the work um but of course as he uh as his career progressed uh he was a union union guy yeah he yeah, yeah. But he wrote it, so some control there. <laughs> right. it's, yes, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? The, the way that things are done to protect people's jobs. Right. Which then become straitjackets to creativity. Right. 
Apparently, exactly. yes. Yeah. yeah. There's always it's a like, trade-off. Hurry up and wait on a set because you're waiting for all the all the you know the peeps to do their jobs and you know so yeah 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 yeah. So moving on then to the um, George A. Romero Foundation. When when did you first start putting it together? Uh, you know. I, I was in a fog and um, I kept receiving these massive emails from folks in Pittsburgh uh, wanting to celebrate George Romero. And I thought, uh, and then I attended one of those, you know, massive Zoom calls and I thought, oh, um, this is ineffective. <laughs> so I went down, I went to Pittsburgh and I talked to all these wonderful people who love George and, you know, and I kept thinking, well, what can I do? What can I contribute? And I thought, well, maybe I'll do a festival, uh, you know, like a horror festival. And then I spoke to a whole bunch of people I know in the festival business. And they said to me, oh my God, Suzanne, not another festival. So I went, okay. Uh, and then I thought, well, maybe I can do a foundation. And listen, I, I was uh, really uh, thinking, okay, I'm going to just, you know, start a foundation, not knowing how much work <laughs> that actually takes. And so it was a, it was an idea. Uh, and then I applied for a 501c3 and which is a nonprofit for the United States. And um uh, not knowing that what I did was really took a lot of courage. <laughs> it was my ignorance, to be honest. And, um, and, you know, I'm so lucky that I instinctively, uh, I, 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 I latched on to very smart people. And uh, I was just very lucky that I was able to, uh, you know, get a team together uh, who works so hard, all pro bono, all for the love of George Romero. I mean, it's incredible. And I, uh, you know, I just, um, you know, I, and I'm learning, you know, I'm learning, hey, how to run a foundation. I'm learning about George's career. I, I'm learning all the time. Um, I, it's, um it's just something that uh, I have to do. Right, right. So, what are the what are the stated aims of the foundation? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Sorry, the state well, um, the stated aims of the foundation. What is what is its primary purpose? Well, I think uh, the primary purpose was to elevate the horror genre, elevate George Romero. Also put cameras in little people's hands, you know, uh, it, you know, support independent filmmaking, um, you know, all of that. Provide scholarships for theaters, you know, filmmaking uh, students. Um, so all of that. Uh, also, it's the archive. Uh, George Romero's archive is at the University of Pittsburgh's library system. Uh, so pleased that it ended, you know, ended up in Pittsburgh, which is where I thought the um, the archive needed to be. Mm -hmm. 
And we're trying to get a horror study center uh, named George A. Romero. But I also think it's important that we um, that we support smart horror, not blood and gore, but smart horror, horror that has uh, consciousness uh, that is impactful. And, and, and yet fun, right? Because yeah. horror is fun. Yeah, it's like going on a on a on a, on a you know roller coaster ride. You know, it's a physical you know goosebumps. But I, I want it to be at least. I want to support smart horror. Uh, so it makes you think about things. And George was a smart horror writer and um i think we need to um honor that so so yeah so lots to do right <laughs> <laughs> lots to do yeah. and our initiatives you know we're starting uh to really uh grab on to some of these initiatives um i'm also extremely keen on getting a museum uh, i'm astonished that it doesn't exist and I think people from all over the world would come and, and, and see a, a museum that had virtual reality, that would have a cinema, that had a, a music room, a, 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 you know, just all kinds of horror mediums would be uh, celebrated in a bricks and mortar house. And, um, you know, not just stuff but experiences um i i think that it's um it's a lack and uh, i think the the george romero foundation can have a hand in helping that get uh, off the ground yes because i mean i know guillermo del toro lent a lot of his yes and said and immediately said how much he'd regretted it because he really missed not having the stuff um, right. around the house but you you're talking about a permanent horror yes. museum yes and i went to guillermo's and, uh, and it was packed um and so I understand that people want to do it. I was a little bored, though. Uh, it wasn't enough for me. Um, and maybe because I'm not part of the genre. But for me to see an Edgar Allan Poe book, you know, if, uh, even if it's a, a, in, a, in, a, in a curio, um, okay, it's neat. But it, it wasn't an experience, and I think a horror museum should be an experience. Um, and I think that there's room for curios and all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, uh, but I think it needs to be more. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because you're, you're saying it's a surprise because if you think about, we have huge, great art galleries, we have yes. museums. Funnily yep. enough, you've, ju you've just reminded me there was a, big exhibition or probably about five or six years ago now at the British Library all about Gothic right um, which was extraordinary because right. they I mean they had Clive Barker's handwritten Hellraiser <laughs> script right. they even had some I'm getting goosebumps uh, the letters that were written purportedly by Jack the Ripper okay um, very cool yeah those kind of things you think oh yeah that 
even if you're not a huge fan, you're going to know something right. about it. And, the, you know, what yeah. makes music mm. give that extra little edge to a film? And, you know, the, the instruments that they use and the just the, the rhythms and, and what makes a human being, when they hear these sounds, get excited uh, or fearful. Um, same thing with art, you know. And Jack the Ripper, a real human being, a, a monster, really, at the yes. end of the day, a monster, yeah. uh, a sociopath. Um, yeah. And, you know, scary man but this is real as opposed yeah. to often horror is fake yeah right it's manipulated to yeah, it's like the you. universe you know like the halloween the haunted houses you get at universal studios right. and so right. you know exactly like three minutes of absolute screaming terror exactly except they're not really, though. You know, like, they're okay. I, I guess if you're a kid, um, you know, or, then... Or, or me. Oh, very scary. No, 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 no sorry. Or me. Because I... <laughs> okay, you get scared. Okay. Okay. As Chris, as Chris can testify, because he took okay. me around. The, the, okay. If you're, if you're scared of cats like me. Okay. It is, but it's okay. that, you know, then there's that visceral thing. But what you're, what we're discussing now is something that is far more about, you know, how they actually put together the universe. What, what are the triggers? Yes. What are the triggers? And, uh, and it would be fascinating, you know, if you put like a heart rate on people who are watching oh, something, yeah. you know, just to see how physically they, they become different. Yeah. And obviously, this is something that they desire. They yeah. want to experience this elevated heart rate, you know, the sweating, the fear, you know. Uh, anyway, I, I just think it's all fascinating and uh, to be studied. And of course, the Horror Studies Center in, in, in Pittsburgh does just that. Very smart people studying all this great stuff. Uh, you know, it's important um, because often, you know, horror has been dismissed as, you know, B-movies and trash movies or tax write-off films, you know, that sort of thing. And um, I'm thinking maybe we ought to change uh, the way people view uh, these films. Right, right. And I think you alluded to the Horror Studies Program at University of Pittsburgh. Yes, yes. Right. Yes, we have some uh, Professor Adam Lowenstein, who is um, uh, on, on my board, uh, I say my board, on the, on the GARF's board. And, um, you know, he's intrinsically responsible for uh, elevating horror into an intellectual process. Uh, so it's, um, it's important work and I support it 100% and so does the GARF. So I think we can merge between, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the visceral, the heart and the brain, you know, we can put these two together and, uh, and do good stuff. Yeah. Yes, and I, I, a dear friend of mine, Patricia McCormack, is a professor, and she studies European horror and horror okay. films. Okay, I would in, love in to UK. meet her, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you would. She's an amazing lady. Oh my I'd, goodness! I would. I, sh I. I should ask. What's her name? Patricia McCormack. 
Okay. But I will, I through Chris, I will make sure you have a way. Of I would love to have I've, a conversation with Miss McCormick. Yeah, she's uh, she's extraordinary, and her you know her amazing uh, knowledge of European horror films and wow, uh, and so on, yeah. and very 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 clever lady. Um, so one of the other projects that I know that Garth has been right uh, working on is the. Um, Amusement Park, mm-hmm. which is a film that was made in 1973, mm-hmm. off the top of my head. <laughs> you did? Yes. You got it right. Yeah. I got the title card in my imagination. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was watching that this afternoon. It's extraordinary. Oh, you, isn't it? It's amazing. It's That's, an amazing, it's an interest. you know, it's, it. I, I, I have, um, you know, Daniel Krauss wrote, uh, you know, it's the most scariest of Romero films. And I thought, Daniel, whoa, (laughs) you know, I'm afraid of those words because then we'll have a whole bunch of fans, uh, you know, saying, well, it wasn't that scary. But it is scary in the sense that the subject matter is uh, still terrifying, even after, you know, all these years where we still dismiss the elderly. And it's just uh, so uh, important that we, you know, uh, help and and in this film, we, it basically says we're all going to be old. So, uh, you know, we need to we need to support and uh, and uh, and and not dismiss, um, especially in these days where everybody's so woke. You know, I think maybe we ought to do some work on on our treatment of our elderly. I, I think it's I, as I say, I'm just a couple of minutes. I approached it with trepidation. Because okay. I thought I George directed this, he didn't write it. Right. But, um and I thought this is a George Romero film, and this is a subject that I think I grew up with elderly parents. My parents were quite, you know, in, in comparison because of the Second World War, I came along quite late. Right. Um in their lives. Um so mum was uh in her late thirties when I came along. This, therefore it's something I was conscious that the fact that my parents were older than all my contemporaries, therefore, right. you know, they, they, they retired earlier, et cetera. So it's always been something I've been very conscious of. Mm-hmm. A couple of moments in the film, the moment where he's talking to the kids and the guy who says, hey, you, you're a pervert. I'm right. Not, not quite sure if it's the word pervert, but that's what he, that's the import. Mm-hmm. He's just talking to kids and, the one where the um, the you know the young couple go into the uh, that's the one that's the scene that freaks me out. Yeah, I I was like when I saw that scene, I was like, oh my goodness, yeah. It's it's extraordinary, isn't it? It, it is. What was the genesis of this? Do you know how George got involved in this? You know, he was hired. Uh, you know, he. Uh, he had uh, an acquaintance who was involved with the Lutheran Society, and his wife uh, uh, works directly with the, the group, and um, they wanted to do an industrial film. This was a precursor to Meals on Wheels. This was, this was before 
uh, some of these initiatives uh, became standard where, uh, you know, uh, you know, people support uh, for the elderly. Anyway, they they said, listen, we would would like to do a, a an industrial. Uh, do you know anybody who directed? And and Carl Robinek said, as a matter of fact, I do. And he's a young filmmaker in Pittsburgh, and um, I think we should give him a go. And so. Uh, you know, it was a three, four day shoot, bing, bang, boom, and they did it. Um, and I have to say, when I first saw this film, it had Romero's footprint all over it. I mean, it's oozing with his style, the way he cut it, the way he shot it. Um, I, I just thought it was uh, an incredible merge of a, 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 a young director um, uh, still feeling his style because actually George thought he never really had a style, <laughs> but he did. But he didn't think he did. Right, right. Well, yeah, as you say, then you think, okay, well, there's the um, the kind of the the crowds and the feet and the. There's one moment where the central character is suddenly on her own, and then suddenly they've there are people back again and it's it's very very cleverly done it's the use of space and crowds and so on right yeah 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 so i think so so it's just been restored so we we had it restored in 4k in new york um and uh we just uh announced that shutter uh, a subsidiary of AMC bought the film, so oh, it's, brilliant! They own it now. <laughs> so I've, I've, you know, handed the baby over uh, to them, and um, I think they will be a good custodian for this film. Right. And um, uh, we had agents, and so the agents are still selling foreign territories. But finally, I think people will get to see this film. Uh, Shutter will stream it, but then they'll, you know, they'll do a DVD, Blu-ray at the end. But I'm still hoping, though, that we can do theatrical events, you know, where we can invite people uh, to come and see this film, get Romero, uh, you know, like-minded folks together and um and see a movie uh of course with this pandemic uh this seems like so far away but hopefully hopefully uh you know with all these vaccinations that we can get a normal life going in the next six or seven months yeah yeah because you (laughs) Go ahead. I was going to say you. I think you squeezed in a premiere at MoMA in New, MoMA in New York in January of last yes, year. Yes, yes. Before it was a great event, great evening. Um, we also uh, premiered it in Pittsburgh uh, as well. So, um, yeah. So we've had two two theatrical events, but I, I think we'd like to do a little more. I think I, I think this film needs to have that human element to to watch the film and i find it astonishing because i think people you know they don't know what to expect uh they know it's a romero they've heard you know reviews they've seen reviews they you know uh and like you were reluctant Mm. or you know you were like "Uh," you know uh so i i still hope that we can 
we could do uh, in-person uh, events with this film. And I also, I understand um, that it, it's George Romero that gives it its impetus, but actually I really do hope that the message uh, makes it though. It's important. And, um, you know, yes, it was a Romero, but it's the message that really is important here. Yes, yes. I mean, it, it's, as you say, it was kind of, was it, you said it was a Lutheran, Lutheran church? Yeah, the society, uh, you society know, for, for, for senior life, you know. Right. They, it, it, yeah. So, you know, good people looking to, uh, you know, put the word out um, in, in this sort of community industrial and, um, and, you know, George never mentioned it in any of his interviews. I mean, it was just absolutely non-existent. And uh, so when we find, when George and I and a group of intimates saw the film, we were like, Jesus, why didn't you mention it? You know, ever. He's like, well, you know, it was nothing. You know, it was like, you know, they gave me a few dollars, five, four days, bing bang boom we, we shot it we edited it and it was done it was like a nothing he said but really it is something it really yes. is what else is garth up to at the moment what else what other projects are you working on well i i'm super keen we're going to run a contest uh young filmmakers all over the world we're going to ask them to do a short film horror film and um i'm hoping that the uh applicants or, or the um the contestants, uh, you know, from Korea, from Belgium, from Zimbabwe, uh, they, you know, they hand in their films. Um, and I am so keen on seeing the differences culturally, the way, you know, they're going to do their little movie. And, you know, the difference, what horrifies a Korean may not be the same thing that horrifies a Norwegian. Right. And I, I would imagine that we'll get a sense of that. Um, uh, so I'm excited about that. But, you know, again, we can't quite do it just yet because we're, we're still concerned that, um, we, like, we don't want to put anybody in danger uh, health-wise. So yes. we need to we need to time it. Uh, so that everyone is safe when they do these little five-minute films. So. Right, right. But that's exciting. And um, we're getting a historical plaque in Pittsburgh for George Romero. Uh, we do a, a, an October uh, celebration of, of George Romero called Romero Lives. Uh, so, you know, we, we're, we're keeping busy. And we have our, our little Garf Network. We have our little podcast, too. Yes, we have our Garf Network, and uh, we're doing a celebration the 40th for the Howling. Right. Uh, You know, and then we're going to do Night Riders, uh, and uh, we're going to do some of George's (laughs) later films in June. And yeah, so we're uh, we're busy. Yes. Yeah, that sounds definitely. Now you're also the executor of George's estate. I am. So there, without going into details, and I don't want you to break any NDAs or anything. Other. Is other stuff coming on with George's work that we can you know it's to? it's um it's uh because I'm the custodian I I feel that we need to uh you know mostly I'm the, the gatekeeper right. <laughs> you know right. uh trying to make sure that if anything 
gets made, it needs to be good or it, it at least the attempt uh, has to be well-intended. Let's just put it that way. And um, the fact that the archive is, is set uh, it, it thrills me to no end. Um, so yes, maybe uh, there are some projects, but again, um, you know, we're, we're very cautiously optimistic. Let's just right. put it that way. Yeah. Right. Right. Because Good. really at the end of the day, um, uh, so many people would do such trashy things that we just can't allow that to happen. So, yes. so we need to be overprotective, I think. Right. 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 When, which makes perfect sense. What do you think George would have made of Garth? I don't know. Uh, I have to say, I don't know. I, I think he would be, I don't know. I, I, I think he would be, I, I don't know, proud that I'm doing, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure if he would think it was all a bit of nonsense. I'm not sure. But right. um, I hope that he would uh, like it. I think he mm. would. My instincts are that he would, but you know, he never really liked fuss. <laughs> he was, you know, didn't like the fuss, and he would maybe thought, think that this might be a bit fussy, but uh, <laughs> but tough, tough bananas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I think what you're doing is so important for you know for I, I think you know, so. Not just protecting his legacy, but also encouraging independent filmmakers. I think so. Yeah, I think those are incredibly important aims. Um, now, before we finish, I always end this show by asking my guests a series of questions about oh. kind of imagining if you're about to go on a very long journey. Okay. Um, what film would you take with you? This is you, Suzanne. What film would you take? If you were going on this incredibly... I would go with... Um... Lawrence of Arabia. Ah. I think that's my favorite film. Right. Right. When did you first see it? Well, I've seen it um, uh, hundreds of times, but I guess the first I saw it was when I was maybe mid-20s. Ah. And you know, uh, uh, Nick, George, uh, w when we started dating, you know, uh, you know how you sort of try to feel out who this person is and yeah, he was yeah. trying to feel out you know sort of my uh, uh my cinema or my uh you know my realm of what i liked in cinema and he basically told me that i was you know like a retard <laughs> so charming. <laughs> charming so i went oh yeah because he kept saying well do you know who gary cooper is do you know you know and he kept saying you know, do you know and, and i go no no and so he spent the 12 years that we were together uh teaching me experience uh, exposing me to film right 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 interesting. So, so from to from retarded in 2005 <laughs> to you know 
Not so bad. <laughs> I've seen a lot of films since then. Right, 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 right. But yes, Lawrence of Arabia and or The Sound of Music. Two big sweep. And I just, I do like sweeping. I do. Yes, yeah. I, you know, honestly, I was just because I saw both of those in the cinema when they came out. And I remember The Sound of Music, A, had an intermission. I'm trying to remember if Lawrence of Arabia. It does. It does. Yeah, yeah, had yep. an intermission. Yeah. yeah. They're big, you know, David Lean, so yeah, big, epic, yeah, you know. Yeah, and yeah, so, uh, yeah. but the way it's shot, the way, just everything, it's just extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about a book? Oh, book. You know, I I love books. I'm a big, um, I really liked Herman Wook's, um, see now, again, I can't remember the title. Um, Herman Wook's, uh, they did a, a film too. Um, uh, Herman Wook, it, I've, I've read all of his work, love him. Um, Anne Rand, uh, Fountainhead. Right. Good okay. book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- those would be, I guess, the two books I would bring. Right. If I can remember the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting guests on the spot. Is it? And I yeah, I can't remember it. it, but it's a big, huge volume, uh, huge book. Um, anyway. Well, I guess, you know, what happens is we Google. (laughs) Oh, I can't After a couple of cocktails, you're like, oh, let me Google that. I guess our brain has become uh, like just, uh, you know, lazy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What about an album? Yeah. So I really like classical music. So I guess... I guess it would depend on my mood. I'm a big mood music person. Um, but if I had to choose an album, uh, I don't know. I think it would have to be, oh my goodness. Uh, it's hard. Um, anything Brahms, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Great composer. Yeah. A great composer. Yes. My mother used to sing me the lullaby oh, when I was yeah. a child. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my yeah. earliest memories. <laughs> wow. That's a good one. That's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, she'd have sung it to me in German as well. I also really like opera. I'm a big ah. opera person. So, you know, anything Puccini <laughs> would ah, do good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Madame Butterfly and yeah. 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 I also like Broadway. So big musical. George loved musicals. I love musicals. Uh, we go to New York, watch, you mu- go to musicals. Um, yeah. So music is a bit tougher because music is about how we feel, you know, and yeah. what, or how we want to feel. Yeah. So we put music on to get there, you know. Yeah. Uh, so. But, you know, if you had to choose one thing, I guess I would just, I, I, the big B, yeah, Brahms. Yeah. Yeah. Big Brahms, okay. What about a favorite food or drink? Okay, same thing. I love food. I'm a big foodie. I eat everything. Um, but, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, I always feel fascinated by, you know, if you're a, a prisoner and you've got your last meal, uh-huh. what would that be? Then I found out, that the budget is fifty dollars. 
So, okay. My last meal would be way more than $50. So, uh, so I better not commit a crime. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I love, um, I don't know. I love, um, I guess steak tartare oysters. I love sushi. Um, when I was in Japan, I ate beautifully. Uh, I drank lots of sake. I love sake. Uh, yeah. Ah. I think maybe I think Japanese food uh, ah. with a good bottle of sake would be ah. pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. 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 Yes. We we always have a Japanese lunch at home. Okay. Yeah. Um, a yeah. little bento. Yeah. 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 We Perfect. have yes. I have a rice cooker and oh yeah. great. Yes. Yes. And um, my it's husband. It's great because you too. don't. It doesn't fill you up like a big meat you know, mm. dish, you know, it's all generally light and yes. Uh, yes. small. small, and small I, I do like tapas too. So ah. I like to eat little things. Right. Right. <laughs> Browsing. Yeah. Okay. Like, I don't like the big solid meat. Oh, out Potatoes. Yeah. yeah. All yeah. too much. <laughs> what about a, a work of visual art, a statue, a painting? Or... Wow. Wow. Again, uh, wow. There are so many beautiful paintings. Um, I went to I went to Milan to see the the Last Supper. Ah. I am actually a solid, or a, a, you know, a uh, I'm an atheist or agnostic, right. uh, solid. Uh, but I. Uh, I cried when I saw that painting. I I just first of all it was a lot bigger than I mm -hmm. thought it would be and I I just that that painting had such an impact on the world that I could feel it. Um so Again, would it be the painting I brought with me to an island? I don't know, but it was the painting that affected me the most when I right, saw it. Right, right, right. Yes, I've never seen it in the flesh. I would love to see that in it's, the flesh. Wow. Yeah. 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 What so, about, go ahead. I was going to say, what about a luxury? Something we've not mentioned. So just something frivolous, if you like. Like in terms of 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 an article like a an thing? article or a, a thing a or luxury a, or luxury the bubble bar uh, you know yeah uh wow Something again yeah i i uh jeez um good food it, to me a dinner out with good company is really great yeah. Yeah. And we haven't done that in a while, <laughs> but, but, yes. Yes. Uh, but it is something that I really do enjoy uh, going out for dinner, uh, making occasion. I like to dress up and uh, I like to eat well and I love good company. So yes. to me, especially these days, it's a yeah. super luxury. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's yes. I and I realize. miss it. I miss yeah. it terribly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I 
is only now you mentioned, I was lucky enough in lockdown to be invited out for a couple of meals while okay. it was possible. Okay. I went to very nice restaurants with very right. good and interesting company. Right. I've not been able to do it for like the last three, four months. And you just right. Think, yeah. That's uh, something. Yeah. It's a luxury. Mm. Uh, I, I, I think I do it. I used to do it a lot. I did it a lot with George. I did. I do it a lot. I because I enjoy it so much. But I now realize how how luxurious it really is. Mm. So I think with this, all this restrictions in our lives, uh, may, really makes us uh, keenly aware mm. of how beautiful life can be when it's healthy and 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 open. And um, so yeah, I would say that I also miss sport. I'm a big sports fan i right. love my tennis I, I you know i love my hockey as a good canadian right. uh you know but i george and i watched a lot of tennis together oh. and i'm an avid tennis player i play four or five times a week oh. when i can yeah right 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 okay i haven't done it in a while no no but we can arrange a super <laughs> nice court and yeah good partner yeah Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, going back to Garth again. So if people want to know more about Garth, where should they go? They should go to www.georgearomerofoundation.org. And uh, we're on Facebook, uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, all the social media. I don't do social media myself, but uh, there are folks who, uh, who do do that. Uh, for us and um, but yeah so the foundation.org and uh, we're all on the every twitter every social media thing taglines and hashtags and all that right yeah right right Suzanne, thank you so much for spending oh, some time you, with me. Thank you, Of course, it was a pleasure. <laughs> thank you again to Suzanne Romero and for all she's doing to preserve George's legacy. Join me next week on the Chattering Hour when I chat with a fellow Cenobite, Barbie Wilde. In the meantime, stay safe and well. The Chattering Hour, hosted by Nicholas Vince, is produced by Chris Rowe Management and Tea Time Productions. Producer Chris Rowe, with production support from Jared Friedrich and Amanda Rome West. Composer Kevin MacLeod, copyright Tea Time Productions. Mm-hmm.